I think goals are, are nice to have. Um, I don't think goals are necessarily that good to meet. I think you want to you exceed those goals. So what I always tell myself and what I tell Lisa and what I tell a lot of my coaches is, you know, you want to try to under promise and over deliver. And I think for me waking up in the morning, knowing that I have an obligation and a duty to my clients, to my students, that not only do I have to be the best coach I can be on that day, but I have to find a way to get better for them as well. It's not just me showing up, clocking in, feeding a couple of balls out of the basket and calling it a day. What am I going to do that day that's going to make me better than what I was yesterday? And then just start building on that. and welcome to another episode of the amazing tennis podcast. We have Kyle Lacroix. He has been an assistant director of tennis at the Oaks in Boca Raton for the last 18 years, which is just amazing. He's a chief education officer at Sets Consulting. He has so much experience working with players at each level levels of their competitive careers. He has so much experience, obviously, at the club level. He is uh, the one that I got licensed under for my USPTA certificate, uh, which I'm very thankful for. And uh, he's somebody that I can learn a lot from, that everybody can learn a lot from. He's so passionate about the sport. He's so passionate to share his knowledge with the world. He's a prolific writer. He's been published in USPTA Advantage Magazine, Baselines USPTA Florida Division Magazine. He also wrote for world's leading tennis instructional website, tennisplayer.net. And uh, he has so many achievements. He has so many awards that I could just go on and on and on. But his uh, most recent one, his uh, USPTA Master Professional, congratulations on that. And um, I'm not going to keep talking more. I'm going to let uh, Kyle say a few words. Emma, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And congratulations on launching the podcast. I am so happy to see your rise through the industry and all of your success. I know many years ago when I, when I tested and certified you for USPTA, uh, my final words were, please get involved and do something and make an impact. And I'm glad to see that you have listened to me. So thank you for that. Yes, I've I've definitely I've definitely listened, and I'm so glad I did, you know, because you're you're very inspirational. You know, your background is inspirational, and I want to hear more about that first. Um, I want to hear uh, how you started with the industry, um, and then I want to hear about your current uh, business that um, you're a CEO of, the Sets Consulting. Sure. So a little background about myself. I grew up on the West Coast of Florida, uh, was born in Clearwater, raised in the Tampa Bay area. Um, I was actually a swimmer before tennis. I was a competitive swimmer and um, was pretty good at that, good enough to be recognized by uh, USA Swimming and be touted for the Olympics in 2000 uh, to swim in Sydney. Uh, but before that could happen, uh, due to either too many early morning practices or too much chlorine in the pool and whistleblowing. I got a little burnt out from swimming and I decided to focus solely on tennis. 
and I'm so glad I did. So I, I did the whole Florida Junior Tennis Circuit. And when I did the Florida Junior Tennis Circuit, played a lot of great competition, uh, went off to college, had a great time there. And then in 2004, I found myself uh, broke, homeless, living in my car, and actually got a job in Boca Raton at this brand new club, new construction called the Oaks at Boca Raton. And I've been there ever since. And now I'm just uh, recently launched my company, Sets Consulting, Specialized Educational Tennis Solutions. And um, I wanna, um, I wanna hear more about your your company right now. What do you, what do you do? Uh, what do you focus on? So Sets Consulting, uh, Sets stands for Specialized Educational Tennis Solutions. Uh, and it's a coaching and educational service for elite coaches, competitive players, and tennis institutions and federations. Uh, so we give them the tactical, technical expertise um, that they're looking for. And I work with, you know, private coaches, whatever, um, whatever is needed to be able to manage and develop their growth throughout the industry, whether it be through educational curriculum or a career pathway, or just simply a coach that's struggling with a specific student, either they're receiving some sort of resistance from that student or some sort of kickback, um, they can reach out to me. I can kind of troubleshoot and, and talk them through the steps. So uh, I work with country clubs, federations, private coaches, tour coaches, um, all sorts. I have a, a pretty vast clientele. So I'm very thankful for that. I'm thankful that that they trust me. Uh, it's an honor and privilege to be trusted by these coaches. Um, it's not something I take lightly. So uh, I'm very grateful for that. But that's that's pretty much sets consulting in a nutshell. And um, how did you how did you come up with this business idea? And when did you when did you start your company? Did you feel that there is a need that coaches need to be coached more? Did you find passion in helping other coaches more than? helping players uh, where how did you how did you come up with that business idea so I started off um, as you know kind of a coach like all coaches do involved in you know player development of some sort uh, I worked at Saddlebrook Resort for a while at the academy uh, it was a great time and did the whole player development thing and although I had fun and I enjoyed it and I I seemed to be pretty good at it uh, I just got a lot more enjoyment from helping other coaches and working with them and making the coaches better. And so it just kind of came to me where I looked at the industry and I thought, wow, you know, there's a lot of coaches that need a lot of help. And I think, you know, just naturally, I think coaches can be a little bit hypocritical where we spend so much time focusing on we have to make the players better and we have to do this for the players and we have to do that for the players and the players need to do this and the players need to do that. We're not really doing that ourselves. So we want the players to develop and we want the players to get better and we want the players to become more disciplined, but the coaches, there's no accountability there. And so I just wanted to make the coaches better because if, if, if we are going to get better players, then we also need better coaches. And I think it's only fair that as high standards as we have for our players, we need to maintain the same as coaches. And so uh, that's kind of what I, what I enjoy doing. And, you know, like I said, it, it, if we want better players, I, I think we should have, we should also become better coaches. And as our players develop, 
the coaches need to as well, not just in education, but in, in all facets. So, uh, you know, that's why I do it. I, I really love helping out coaches. Plus, if you look at the industry, we have 95% of coaches that want to go into 5% of the market, right? Because most of the coaches that we talk to, especially the ones that are pretty young that want to get into it, they always have this dream and desire to work with really, really good players, high-level players. That's always everyone's dream when they go out into the industry. And then something hits them suddenly where they either don't have the tools to do it or they don't understand it enough or they just get into like a country club job and they teach, you know, 3.5 players for the rest of their life. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But when you just look at the industry, you have 95% of coaches chasing 5% of these elite players and being a business minded individual like I am, that's just not sustainable. And coaches need to become better at what they do. And so I feel like coaches also need coaches too. And and that's that's really the whole underlying purpose of sets consulting. Yeah, that's that's really awesome and and interesting. You know, like I, like you said, I feel like as a coach, you know, I'm always finding ways to improve, to educate myself a little bit more. And you know, and um, Emma Doyle, um, as you know her, she's uh, she's one of my mentors. She's she's amazing. She's helped me so much. You know, but. Um, what you're doing I think it's so important and it's so amazing so like um what's the what's the process like if a coach wanted to be coached underneath you how what was the process for somebody what do they need to do sure so the first thing easiest thing is obviously you know reach out to me either on on social media uh on twitter and instagram or on my website which is www.setsconsult.org and if they reach out to me through there, we'll set up a quick call. Um, I'll kind of discuss with them what they're looking for, what their goals are. And then from that, we'll decide on some sort of plan as to how we can make these goals a reality. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't really look at it as I'm working for them or they're working for me. We work together. And so when we work together, uh, it's just so much easier. And I, I'm, I'm always available, you know, yes, calls are great. And yes, I can visit them at their club or at their facility or at their, at their tennis court, or even if they're with a player, um, more than happy to do that too. But we always work together on it. It's not like, oh, here, you have to do this, this, and this, and call me in, in a couple of days. We work together. Uh, I'm highly involved with their process, with their career, uh, we, we, we do make a connection in terms of that. They know where I'm coming from. I know where they're coming from. And again, it's all about having goals. You have to be goal oriented and we work on it as a team. If you want to go fast, you go alone. If you want to go far, you go as a team. So I don't work for people. I work with people. No, that's awesome. I love that. Just a few more questions about your business, because for me, it's so interesting, you know, just the whole concept. And I really love it. Do you have uh, more um, coaches that are on tour or do you have more coaches that work for clubs or it's kind of like a mixture for both? And do you have more female or more male coaches? Oh, I like that second question. But let me ask, let me answer the first question. Uh, so I really have a good mix. Uh, there's not one, there's not one type of coach that is the majority. I, I have institutions and federations. I have private clubs. 
I also have private coaches and I have uh, tour coaches as well that I consult with and, and I, I help out. So it's a pretty good balance, which I'm happy with. Um, that can always fluctuate at any time and I'm, I'm good with that. But for right now, I'm pretty happy with, there's a good 25, 30% mix of, of each one. Uh, but to answer the second question, I think that's the more important question is I have a few female coaches that I'm working with and I am so delighted to see that and to work with them. I would love to see more female coaches in the industry. We only have about 22, 23% of the industry female coaches which is just way too low. Uh, I'm always, I've always been a big supporter and advocate for female coaches. I just think female tennis coaches are the best. I'm not afraid to say it, hands down, you ladies rock. And there's some sort of inherent natural gift that you have, which is females are more interested in people, communication, they're just better at it. And males are more interested in inanimate objects like cars and tools and sports and stuff like that so uh it's one of those things where I, I would really love to see more female coaches and i think our industry has done a well not such a great job in marketing that um i know females also not only are they responsible for a career and working and this and that but they get they get placed a lot of the burden on 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 raising a family on taking care of the household and and maybe that's just a, a a generalizing gender role, but it's the truth. And, and it's too bad because we, I do know a lot of amazing female pros that have left the industry uh, to, to, to raise the family and to take care of the homestead. And, and I have no problems with that, but man, we we've lost a lot of great female coaches because of that. And, and I know you have two young kids at home and they're everything to you, but so is your tennis career. And, 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 and your, your family comes first always, but you happen to be really, really good at teaching tennis too. And so it's just one of those balances that we always have to, to be aware of with female coaches. And, and I, I would love to see more female coaches. And uh, I know we have a mutual friend in Emma Doyle, and I would love to see more Emmas out there in the tennis world. So, yeah, but that, that's just my take on it. Yeah. I mean, that that's a subject I feel like we could be talking all all day about you know I feel like uh, I feel like we need to push it more you know like I'm not saying that female coaches are better than the male coaches or male are better than female you know all I'm saying is that like you said 22 23 percent is it's not a big number and that number should increase we should um we should advocate more advocate more for it we should talk more about it there should be more support for us as as female coaches so i think you know um the more the more we get together the more we um you know talk about it i think it's gonna i think it's gonna come while we're talking about female coaches your your wife is amazing she has her own business she's impacting the world so much with what she's doing and um, you I hear you always talk so highly of her which is so amazing to hear and um, I would I will let you talk about her as well here sure so my wife would obviously love to to meet you and be on your podcast my wife is Lisa Puglis Lacroix she is the founder uh, and CEO of Love Serving Autism which is an amazing organization. She's been, she started that five years ago 
and it has grown tremendously. Uh, my wife, much like you, was a exceptional junior tennis player. And then she went off, played in college, played at Duke, played at Florida, won a national title, then played on the pro tour for a couple of seasons. Uh, but she started this organization in 2017. And I'm going to just give out a shameless plug, www.loveservingautism.org. Uh, it's an incredible charity. She uses tennis as a therapeutic tool to help children and young adults on the autism spectrum. And uh, autism is quite profound and, and prominent in our, in our society today. Um, I believe that the latest statistics are one out of 39 boys um, are diagnosed with autism. Uh, and I think in girls, it's a little bit lower, but it's maybe one out of 52 or something like that. Don't quote me on that. She, she's the expert, so I shouldn't be giving you any of this stuff. But um, I know a couple of weeks ago, we did a uh, kids clinic at Arthur Ashe Stadium Court. We had 21 children with autism on the biggest tennis stadium in the world uh, and in front of cheering fans and everything else. And it was the biggest thrill for these kids. But yeah, I mean, my wife would... Uh, would certainly be a, an interesting podcast guest because of her experiences, not only at the highest levels of tennis, but also at the levels of tennis where she's teaching, where, you know, some of these kids are either nonverbal, uh, they, they have some physical challenges as well with coordination. And so for someone to be so good at both of those levels, I mean, she, it, it's really, again, no pun intended, but across the spectrum, as to what level she played at and what level she's giving back to. And it's really inspiring. So uh, I don't wanna, I don't wanna necessarily talk too much about her, although she's amazing, she's worthy of her own podcast and may, maybe not this one, but, um, but no, she's, she's, uh, she's doing incredible things and I'm, I'm very proud of her for that. That's really awesome. It's awesome to see you two together. You know, you're both making, an impact in, in the industry, a huge impact and just uh, just so positive to see. And, you know, my question would be then, how do you guys, um, how do you guys manage everything? You're both very successful in your, in your businesses, right? I'm sure you're so busy. How do you, how do you manage everything? Do you, how do you find some, um, you know, time for yourself how do you how do you how do you do it all well I, th I think that's a question we also ask ourselves I mean it's nice of you to say that we're successful but I think one of the reasons why we can do so much is because we don't believe that uh we, we we don't we don't consider ourselves successful at all we're just we're just trying to do the best we can with with what we have and you know we both believe strongly in a product I believe in in sets consulting she believes in love serving autism and we obviously believe in, e in each other's product. But, you know, for us, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's, it's a challenge. It's really hard. I mean, I'm not going to say that we live this perfect life of I'm doing this and she's doing that. And then we get together and we have dinner at seven o'clock PM and around the dining room table and everything's good. I mean, most days are absolute chaos. You know, they really are. I, 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 I would love to paint some, perfect picture of some secret and how we get it all done but honestly it's just it's just a lot of hard work and a lot of sacrifice and we don't really go out to dinner that much we don't go out on like the avenue in Delray Beach and we don't go out to bars and we don't party we just kind of do our thing and we stay home and we just enjoy each other's company 
And, you know, we have a dog that's going to be two next month that he's our pride and joy. So he kind of keeps things light. Anytime we get stressed, he's our, he's our little therapy dog. So he helps us out, but you know, I mean, I, I, I appreciate you saying all these nice things about us, but really we're, we're just, we're just like any other normal couple and family that we have good days and we have bad days. And she's on the phone call for, you know, eight, nine, 10 hours a day on zoom, having meetings, trying to, trying to raise funds. Cause it's a 501 C three and it's all about fundraising. And I'm on the phone and on zoom calls with people and coaches and all these different time zones. And sometimes we only see each other for, you know, maybe two hours a day or two hours a night. And, you know, it, 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 it's never enough, but I think you have to come to terms with how badly do you believe in a product? How badly do you want it? And we're both very supportive of, if she has to be on a call until 10, 11 o'clock at night, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be upset with her because I know she's doing her thing and it's the same thing for me. So I just think we have an open mind and we're very patient with one another. We know we're going to have good days and bad days and we celebrate the good days and we try to forget about the bad days. But I mean, again, it, it's far from perfect. And, and I think if people saw our schedule in our life, uh, it might not be for them but it is for us and that's all that matters. But, you know, at the end of the day, we know we have each other's backs and I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. That's really awesome to hear because I feel like, yes, we talk about the business, we talk about the industry, but it's also important to talk about the real life, you know, the real life. How do you manage everything? How do you, I say successful because you're a successful entrepreneur. She's a successful entrepreneur. And, um, in this podcast, I'm going to be talking to successful people. Well, now we can define success in different ways, right? Uh, that's one of my questions. How do you define success? How do you measure success? Do you uh, by, by achievements, by leaving a legacy, by feeling fulfilled in life, being happy? How do you define success? And I know this question can be a little broad but it, it's you know what what do you think about that i think it's a perfect question uh what you mentioned earlier about about legacy um i think that plays a role in it for sure uh i i love to to give back to the industry and to help other coaches and to be able to see them achieve a goal and and to be able to, to thank me for it and, and know that i had a role in helping someone's career and then possibly even changing their life because of it. And I know Lisa feels the same way about love serving autism. Obviously the harsh reality of life is we will not be around forever. So when we leave, you know, how, how will people remember us and, and what, what footprint do we leave? But I think that's kind of a, a very extrinsic shallow way of, of putting it. I, I think deep down inside to me, success isn't about, it's not about the things you have, it's about the things you don't need, right? So I'm not looking at success as having, you know, all these followers or a big house or a nice car. I look at success as I don't need to do this right now. Uh, I, I don't need, I, I don't need this, I don't need that. Uh, I'm, I'm fully self-sustaining as is Lisa. Uh, we don't need anyone's help in terms of in terms of, you know, getting by day to day, paying our bills, all those things are taken care of. It's the things that we don't need. Uh, that's how I kind of view success. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not really, 
it's it's hard to put into words, but I'm I'm very happy with what I have. And I don't go out and try to make other people happy or do things for other people. Uh, as long as my wife is happy and as long as my clients are happy, you know, that, that's really all that matters. But I'm not out there to impress anyone. Uh, I don't need any validation from anyone and neither does Lisa. It, it's just one of those things where it's not what you have, it's what you don't need. And there's not a lot of things that we really need. We're just very happy in our own skin and we know what we've achieved and, you know, listen, to each their own. But to us, that's kind of how, how we operate. We're not out there to impress anyone. We're just out there to do the best damn job we can. That's, that's very good. You know, I, I think, I think it's important to ask ourselves these questions, you, you know, to kind of like sit down and kind of ask, you know, what, you know, like, why are we doing this every day? What, what's the, what's your purpose? So like, that's my next question. You know, I feel, and I think, that everybody should have a goal, either a short-term goal, long-term goal, have a vision, um, have or some kind of purpose. Like, do you, like something that gets you up in the morning, you know, it's not like, okay, let's go, I have this many hours, you know, to work today on the court, or I have to do this, I have this meeting, I have this meeting. I feel like it's better, it's nicer, it's more purposeful to go through life and through to go through days of having that vision, having that goal, correct? And you would probably agree with this on, um, with me. Um, but what is your, do you have like an ultimate goal? Do you have short-term goals? Do you set those small goals or big goals? Do you have a vision? That, that's, that's my question. Sure. So we're, we're, we're really diving into the deep end of the pool here. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I think goals are, are nice to have. Um, I don't think goals are necessarily that good to meet. I think you want to you want to exceed those goals. So what I always tell myself and what I tell Lisa and what I tell a lot of my coaches is, you know, you want to try to under promise and over deliver. And I think for me waking up in the morning, knowing that I have an obligation and a duty to my clients, to my students, that not only do I have to be the best coach I can be on that day, but I have to find a way to get better for them as well. It's not just me showing up, clocking in, feeding a couple of balls out of the basket and calling it a day. What am I going to do that day that's going to make me better than what I was yesterday? And then just start building on that. Um, I'm not really... I, I, I know Lisa's big into, into a lot of goals and goal setting. She does an incredible job with that. For me, I'm more of a 10,000 foot view type of guy where I don't necessarily make a, a, a specific goal per se, but mm -hmm. for me, my results, I look at it on like a two to three year window. So anything I did in 2020 is actually happening right now, this year. And that's kind of how I do it. It's really long-term planning, but I kind of plant that seed and then I just kind of water it. I take care of it. Uh, I nurture it. And then two to three years later, it starts to grow. I mean, 2020 was, I know it was a crazy year for everyone with COVID. For me, it was my best year ever. I was so busy and I did so much stuff. And a lot of these things, you know, I didn't talk about, you didn't hear about in 2020, but now all of a sudden you're hearing them in 2022, right? I'm on all these podcasts now. Uh, I, have, I have my company going out. All of these things, I planted that seed two years ago. And so I think it's important that, you know, if you want something done, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is right now. 
So st- if whatever you want, start start planning for it now. Start doing it now. You might not see it tomorrow, or next week, or next month. But if you do it the right way and you're patient enough and you just keep chiseling away at it, it's going to come to fruition. And so 2022 is now my best year because 2020, I did so much and I was so busy and I didn't really see much of that in 2021. But in 2022, now I'm kind of bearing those fruits and it, it's a beautiful thing. And there's going to be a lot more out. I mean, you know, you mentioned earlier in my, in my intro master professional, you know, USPT, there's only 145 of us in the world right now. Um, And it's, it's, it's pretty impressive. And it's still surreal to even think that I'm, I'm in that category. But that's something that I planned on in 2020. And I didn't tell anyone. And so it just kind of came to fruition now. But again, it's one of those things where you have to have long term goals. And yeah, you can have short term goals. But regardless, whatever the goals are, don't be happy with just those goals. Be happy that you're going to surpass those goals. And you started those goals years ago, right? Like, I mean, to, to me, that that's what it's all about because I can't go by tomorrow. I have to go by, okay, this is my goal long-term. That's what's going to keep me hungry because if it's just something tomorrow, then I can probably do that goal today. It's, I, I love this. I love everything that you're saying. I'm reading a book right now, Atomic Habits, I don't know if you heard about it, but uh, I was just reading last night how you need to be, you need to work on every day getting 1% better in whatever that is, 1%, 1% today, like 1%, 1%, 1%, you know? And like you said, you gotta be patient. You gotta be patient and you gotta trust the process. It's not even trusting the process. It's about putting that work in on mm-hmm. getting 1% better every day. You know, you can just trust the process and think it's going to happen magically, right? You got to work for it. You, I mean, you, 18 years ago, you, you said you got that job at the, at the Oaks Country Club. You, you did not know, I mean, you, where you were 18 years ago and look where you're now. And how did you get here? By, by your hard work, by your dedication, by getting 1% better every day. And you're still doing it and you're still doing it and you're still growing and you're just going to keep getting better and better and better and better. No, it's, it's, it's really, it's inspiring. You know, Um, stories like yours inspire, inspire me. It really truly inspires me. So you're already, you're already living your purpose. You know, you're already inspiring others. I'm sure many more. So what would be your advice for younger self, like for younger right now you know you're I don't know how old are you actually and we don't have to talk about that but for younger self um, a young coach that's like maybe one or two years in the in the business do would you focus more on teaching and growing as a coach or you would try to transition that work into some other uh, business that's in the industry if that makes sense it does make sense. And that's, that's a great question. That's a question that I ask myself all the time is, is what advice would I have given myself if I was younger? And I, I think for me, it would have been just patience, patience. You know, I, I would have probably told the younger me that the tennis industry and any other business, if you want to be successful in, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And that's advice that I was given by a colleague of mine. Uh, when I was starting out at the Oaks, I was in my early 20s. 
And it was just like, I was getting in there at 5 a.m. And I was just nonstop and I was high strung and I was super type A. And he just said, you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And as I gotten older, I, I've, I was able to understand what that actually means. You know, uh, you don't want to be necessarily a roller coaster in, in your career with, you know, you're having great days and you're having bad days and you're this and then you're always up and down. It just has to be nice and calm and smooth and you have to trust yourself and you have to, I mean, this sounds so cliche, but you have to trust the process. You have to work very hard. And if you're going to get caught doing something, get caught doing the right thing and just keep your nose to the grindstone. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Don't compare, right? The, the, the comparison game and the competition game is so unhealthy because you will never win it. And when in competition, maybe if you're better, you're one or 2% better. And that's, that's a very marginal figure. So, you know, avoid the comparisons of, don't worry about what other people are doing. Just take it as you're getting better. You're trying to learn. You're asking a lot of questions. You're not here to impress. You're here to learn. And mm -hmm. I, I still carry that same philosophy with me. I'm not trying to impress anyone. I'm still trying to learn. And the more I learn, the more I realize what I don't know. And, and so it's one of those things where you have to kind of check your ego out the door. Mm -hmm. I don't care how, how young you are, how good of a player you are. You're here to learn mm -hmm. and you're here to learn from other people and you're here to learn from yourself. Mm -hmm. And that's it. It's not a competition. It's not about comparisons. Just work really hard, ask a lot of questions and you're going to get to wherever you want to go. Yeah. Somebody once told me like not to look at others as a com competitors or as a competition to look at them, that they're there to make you better. Uh, the better they are, the better, the more there is going to, you know, they're going to make you to be better, you know, because, and you can always learn from them. And then you can always think, okay, what can I work on myself, you know, to grow, grow more and then support each other, you know, because we can all, we can all learn from each other. And I believe that every, every good coach um, is not the one that thinks that they know everything, you know? I really believe we can all learn from each other and we can all all grow. Um, but I wanted to touch on a little bit on the business side, on the financial side. As a, as a teaching pro, um, tennis teaching pro, um, the only way to make money is to grind on the tennis court, is to spend hours and hours on the tennis court, right? So when you're just getting in the industry, like would you recommend doing like something to save that money, you know, like to save the money, invest it in something, because I want to, with this podcast, I want to give advice to younger coaches, to younger teaching professionals, like what to do, you know, not to just teach, teach, teach and go spend the money or on something. What would your advice be from your experience? I think one of the smartest things I ever did was when I got the job in Boca Raton, I was 22 years old. And the person that hired me said, if you want to, there's a program we have called a 401k. And it'll take a portion of your paycheck, 
however much you want. It can be any, any percentage of your paycheck and we'll put it into this account. And this account will hopefully, all things considered, grow over time, which obviously all 401ks do. Apparently right now, recently, not so much, but for the most part, all 401ks always grow. And it was the smartest thing I ever did. I, I, I put my money away. I put away like 15% of my paycheck. Um, and after a certain amount of time, obviously they cut you off because you can only invest so much each year. So I, I was always getting like stopped and cut off and said, okay, you, you've invested too much, but it, it, it was always a good thing. And I never really looked at it. I just kind of put it on the back burner. I said, okay, over time, this will start to grow. And now I'm happy to say that after 18 years, if I wanted to, I'm not going to anytime soon, but if I wanted to, I could retire now yeah. uh, from that money in the 401k. So if you're, if you're, if you get hired by a club or an institution that has a 401k, absolutely no brainer, definitely 100% jump into it. If you're an independent professional or an independent contractor and you can have a Roth IRA, which you know is about the same. It's it's the equivalent of a four hundred one k. But if you have a Roth IRA, it's it's also just. I mean, it's a no brainer. It is free money, and people don't believe me when I say, it, but it is it is truly free money, and it's going to keep growing, compounding interest. It's an amazing thing. Look it up. To me, that's the one bit of advice I have for any young professional getting into the industry. That is the first thing you do the first day on the job, the first week on the job, you have to sign up for one and just put your money away. And I'm telling you, talk to me 15, 20 years later, and you will thank me. I'm not going to get into the business or the science of it, but you will thank me so much for doing that. And it's not something you have to deal with. It's not something you have to worry about. Just keep it, keep it on the back burner. And it's a very effective tool. And that is something that will give you so much confidence going in because then, you know, if you want, let's say you want to buy a house in the future, let's say you meet, you, you meet a nice, a, a nice person, you guys get together, you get married, you want to start a family, maybe you want to buy a house, guess what, they look at your 401k, or your Roth IRA, as a, as a, as a tool to see if you can buy a house or not. So if you, you have a 401k, it's extremely beneficial, not just in the future for retirement, but also just financially, if you want to buy a house or any other big purchases, that's what financial institutions look for. So uh, I'm not really, you know, a, a, a licensed financial professional. However, I can tell you, if you ask any licensed financial professional, they'll probably give you the same exact advice. That's awesome. This is why I asked you this. Uh, and this, I think this um, answer is worth a lot. So thank you so much for, for your, uh, for your feedback on that. I'm sure a lot of, a lot of young professionals will be thankful. Um, and also, also Emma, one more thing, if I can just say this, put it this way, it is, it's not how much money you make. You, you, you shouldn't worry about that too much. It's not how much money you make. It's how much money you can save. Okay. That's the key because a, a lot, a lot of pros, you know, they're, they're making money, but they're spending it just as fast. Mm -hmm. And you have to be very careful of that, especially if you're an independent contractor, because if you're an independent contractor, those taxes are not taken out of your paycheck immediately. You mm -hmm. have to actually calculate that as a total and then pay that come tax time. So yeah. just realize it's not how much money you make. It's how much money you save. So 
if you can save quite a bit of money and you get into that habit, then at 40, 50 years old, we're no longer worried in having this conversation. I think these are really important things to talk about because I don't think it's talked enough about. Um, because, yeah, and nobody talked to me about it 10 years ago or five years ago. So I think this is very, very important. So thanks for sharing that. Also, I calculated how old are you by, by 22 and 18. You said 22, you started at the, at the club and 18 years you've been at the club. So I figured it out, let's go. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, okay, one more question before we get to the last three. And my questions are very, you know, it, it's more about life, like connecting your life, your real life, and then your business. So do you have some routines, like a morning or a night routine uh, that can be with nutrition or exercise, meditation, reading? Do you have any routines, like something that like you can't skip this day? So it's funny you, you ask this because my wife and I have completely different routines. Like I'm a morning person. I'm one of those annoying people that wake up with the alarm clock. Yes. And I jump out of bed and I clap my hands and I'm go, go, go. And my wife is more of a night owl. She likes to stay up late. She's not a morning person at all. But again, opposites attract, right? So she's a baseliner. I'm a servant volleyer. So it, 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 it just works out that way. But the morning routine I have is I wake up, um, before I met my wife, I used to wake up at 4 a.m. every day. My God. And I loved it. It was because my most productive hours are between four and seven because no one else is up. So that means I'm not, I, I don't get as many distractions. So from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m., it was pretty much my time. And I could do whatever I want. I could get so much done. I could answer all emails. I could do whatever I need to do. Then by 7 a.m., the club opens up, people start coming in. And then instead of it becoming Kyle time, it becomes firefighter time where I'm putting out fires, I'm solving problems, I'm answering questions, I'm dealing with issues. And so my productivity just completely goes down. So between 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. were my most productive hours. Now, since I met my wife, We've, we've negotiated and compromised because that's a very key part of any healthy relationship is compromise. I'm now waking up at a very late hour of 5 a.m. Wow. Yeah, wow. so 5 a.m. So Yeah, exactly. So 5 a.m., I'm up. The alarm clock goes off. I jump out of bed. I'm clapping my hands. I'm doing jumping jacks. I'm, 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 I'm singing. <laughs> I'm doing all sorts of stuff. I go into my office. Um, and then in my office, I normally have breakfast. I have to have breakfast within five minutes of waking up. I'm starving. I'm ravenous. I'm six foot six, 235 pounds. I'm like a bear out of hibernation. I'm starving. So um, I have breakfast. I check emails. I, I kind of see what's on my to-do list for that day. And then by that time, I'm in the shower and I'm usually at work by 6, 6.30 a.m. So th that's really my only routine. It's not, it's not so much of a, of a strict routine or, or so many details. It's just, I'm out of bed. I have to be excited for that day, which I always am. I have breakfast. I, I take time to kind of calm myself down and I just go through my to-do list. I'm not one of these people that can sleep in and then just roll out of bed and go to work. I need time to, to, to wake up, to kind of warm up to the day. Um, 
And that's, that's really, but again, from five to seven are my most productive hours because everyone else is asleep. No one's bothering me. I just get so much stuff done. And then as more and more people come in throughout the day, that's when my productivity slows down. But when do you go to sleep? I try to go to sleep in a perfect situation. I try to go to sleep by 10. Okay. Um, but sometimes, you know, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes I like to see my wife during the day. I like to chat with her. So maybe it might be 1030, maybe 11 o'clock. But I always try to make sure that 10 o'clock, that's kind of when my yeah. body starts starts calming down. That's, yeah, that, that's interesting because I, I feel this, I'm, I'm the same. I'm a morning person. My husband is a night owl and I, I, I can't, I just can't function at night. I, my brain is not working, but in the morning is working great. But then lately because of the kids, they are my alarm clock, right? So I don't have that time anymore because they got up like at five this morning. So then I have to be with them. So then my most productive hours are, are gone. But hopefully soon as they get older, then I can back get back into it because I really like that. You know, I think um, the more I sleep in the morning, the less productive I get. So I completely, mm -hmm. completely understand that what you're saying. So that's and I have to eat in, within five minutes also when I wake. So and that's why we get along because we're both early birds and we need to eat. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. We're at last three questions, which they're not that special, but you know, they're just have to close out with something. Do you have someone you look up to that motivates and inspires you? And it's okay if you don't. I mean, besides my, besides my wife and my mom, I mean, not, not really. I, I kind of, you know, I, I've always been someone that's just kind of like self-motivated. I, I, I don't need someone to be yell, yelling in my ear and telling me do this and do that. And you can do it and go Kyle. I've always been that person. Um, that's just how I'm wired. Uh, but I mean, obviously my mom having put up with me for 40 years, that, that takes a pretty special woman, uh, especially since, and you as a mother can, can appreciate this. When I was born, I was 10 pounds, six ounces. Oh my so, God. Yeah, exactly. So, oh right, so right there, immediate respect for mom. Uh, yeah. And then obviously, obviously uh, my, my wife for everything that she does and obviously deciding to get married to me, which can also be easy. So it's all good. But no, I mean, to, to, to be totally honest, I'm just kind of self-motivated. I, I look up to myself. Anything I did yesterday, I can't take a bow for today. So I want to constantly get myself better. I look at myself in the mirror. I give myself pep talks on my way to work. I listen to Phil Collins in the air tonight, and that gets me pumped up. That's like my go-to song. What, when I was playing in college and matches, that was the song I go to. So I just kind of, I just yeah. kind of pump myself up, you know, but that's all. No, that's awesome. You see that that's another thing. I'm also the same, like I'll rather like have like a podcast or something that's going to pump me up like for five minutes for a song or sometimes I write on the, on the mirror, um, you know, in the morning when I get up like a few sticky notes, the other morning, actually my husband, wrote just put a sticky note I woke up in the morning because I go to bed before he does and he wrote <laughs> and he wrote you got this so when I got up earlier before him I got there and in the bathroom it's like you got this and gave me like an extra boost you know so I feel like it's so important to have that significant other that is just 
as supportive, you know? Um, so that's awesome that you guys are also supporting each, each other. I think that's, that's very, very important. So we talked about balance, you know? I think life is, and I'm going like so like deep and, you know, talking about these life It's things. fine. I, I, I love this stuff. I, I really yeah. do. Me too. Me too. I yes. really do. And that's why I made this podcast to talk to people like yourself that are like-minded, right? Mm -hmm. And that we talk about these things, you yes. know? So, so, right, life is about balance and we're all in pursuit and finding some balance in life. You, you can be success, successful, not successful. You can be a tennis coach or not. Whatever you're doing in life, you're trying to find some kind of balance. How do you find yours? And you kind of already talked about this a little bit, you know, you have your dog um, that balances things out for you, you know, like, you know, sometimes I feel like I get carried away, right? Mm -hmm. Like with work, I have so much to do all the time. Go, 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 that I don't take time to like pause. Okay. I'm like pause now, like be in the moment, be present, be here. Because even when I'm with my husband, with my kids, it's like, it's really hard to turn off you know, like, mm -hmm. or like I start, but I, lately I'm doing better. Like, is there something you do to balance everything? So it's not just about work all day. Like, do you work out? Do you read books? Do you, what, do you do anything? Do you spend time with your wife, with your dog? How do you balance your life? Well, I, I think it's important to understand that if, if you want to be successful in anything, you're going to have to sacrifice that balance that that's just the way it works. I, I, I wish there was an easier answer to that, where you can have the perfect life and everything you want, and you don't have to sacrifice anything. But if you talk to any successful person, they're going to tell you that, yeah, there was some serious sacrifice and their life wasn't balanced. I mean, how did you become such a great tennis player? Because you played tennis more often than you did anything else. So your life wasn't balanced, but that's what got you to where you are. And then how did you become such a great tennis coach? Well, you didn't become such a great tennis coach because your life was balanced. You became a great tennis coach because that's what you do for the vast majority of your time is you're on court, you're teaching, you're learning. So balance is one of those things that, you know, we always try to find. It's a lot like perfection. We always talk about it. I don't know if it really exists for people that are really driven, that are motivated. Because people who are driven and motivated, they're on like a one-way highway and they're going forward. And that's just the way it is. It, it, it's, it's important to kind of take a deep breath and take a step back. And for me, I like to read. I like to write. I like to go to the beach. Um, for me, water, going swimming, taking my dog to the beach. Those are very calming things for me. Um, you know, like I said, I'm a big guy. Most mammals my size live in the ocean. So I'm kind of more aquatic than anything else. It, it took me a lot longer to get used to dry land. So for me, what, for, for me, water's always been like a comforting thing. So I like going to the beach, but, you know, to, to really look and take a deeper dive into that question, if you really want to truly be successful at anything, if you really want to be the best, if you want to be really good at something, it's going to require a lot of hard work that's going to off balance your life in some way. There's no other way around that. I've never met a successful person that only does, you know, nine to five, the bare minimum. They have to put in the hours, they have to put in the work, whether you want to be a professional tennis player, whether you want to be a top lawyer, a top doctor, these are things that you just have to accept. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying it's easy, 
but balance is something that we always try to find. But in reality, what got us to the point of having to find balance also got us to the point of being successful and very, very good at what we do. So it's kind of a catch 22 or almost even like a Damocles sword where, okay, you want something so badly. Well, okay, here it is. But now there's going to be consequences for that action, right? You're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it too. You have to make up that decision of how badly do you want this? And if you want it that badly, what are you willing to give up for? Are you willing to give up time with family? Are you willing to give up time with whatever else? Maybe, you know, I'm really into, I'm really into formula one. I love cars and I go on YouTube and I watch car videos and, but guess what? I can't do that all day because I still have an obligation to my clients, my students to be a very, very good coach. And so that's just that, that's just the, the compromise that we have to make. Okay. So we have one last question for the day and that is, what is uh, not your favorite book, but what is a book that you would recommend that you like that maybe changed your life, not changed your life, that impacted you in some way that you would recommend? Oh, boy. Uh, I, I, I do like to read. I have an awesome collection of, of books in the library uh, that are just top, taking top up three. space. Top three or. Well, OK, so. So for me, I, I think one of the biggest ones, and I'm kind of going to be a geek for this, but I'm really into astronomy and space. Okay. And, and so for me, it's actually Stephen Hawking, A Brief History of Time. Okay. Because it just puts everything into perspective and it makes you realize, you know, it just makes you realize how, how much of an impact we have um it, it it makes you realize that there's there's bigger things out there so it kind of keeps your ego in check but it also kind of inspires you to say well if it's it, if the universe is this big how big of an impact can i make because it's really unlimited right you can you can go as far as you want to go and for me for some reason that that just kind of hit home i i, I don't know why it's not a tennis book no. It's not a sports book. It's not a motivational book, but it's a book about black holes, right? A, a Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. And it's a total geek out nerd book. I don't expect many people to kind of read through it because they're going to like fall asleep, but I'm really into it. And it just, it just goes to show you, you know, how big the universe truly is, how much we don't know. So it definitely humbles you and it makes you want to learn more. And for me, it's not so much learning more about, about yes. space it's about learning more about, about life, right? Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of things we're not going to know, we'll never know, but you know, it, it just keeps you in check. And for me, I, I, I guarantee if you ask that question to a million people, they will not come up with that answer yeah. to that book. But for some reason, for me, it just kind of hit, it, it kind of hit a little bit different. So A Brief History of Time by Stephen Hawking. Awesome. Um, and here talking about balance. My, there we go. My son can't wait. Does he say hi? Oh, oh. No, he doesn't. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> well, um, I really, really, truly appreciate your time um, and 
all of your advice. I mean, I think we had a great conversation, uh, so much to learn and um, mm. I, I loved it. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the best in your business, in your life um, and with your wife. And I can't wait also to talk to your wife as well. Absolutely, Emma. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And again, so great to, to see you, to be on your podcast, to see your success in the industry. Just keep it up. You're making me so proud. Thank you so much, Kyle.